Hey, dear saints, you're listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword. Sermons from Pastor Kilgo, preached at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We pray that as you hear God's word, you would be strengthened in faith and love and rejoice in the joy of the Lord's promises and kindness. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, you were born in the devil's house. Now, this is something that most of us either don't know or perhaps have forgotten. It's especially easy when we look at the cute and cuddly little babies with their chubby cheeks and grinning faces, that even these, the cutest of all, seemingly innocent, are born into bondage and slavery, and the house of the devil. This is why, in fact, if you look at the baptismal rite, that it is an exorcism, and historically began even with an exorcism prayer, in which we pray, among other things, depart thou unclean spirit, and make room for the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus is teaching us in our text today. Our Lord is on the scene again, and he's casting out demons, In particular, he's casting out this mute demon who is making its captor mute, the one that is taken captive. And this is nothing new. And then he has people that are coming up and throwing all sorts of accusations his way, which is also nothing new. But what is rather odd about the text is the particular accusation. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying he is possessed by Beelzebul, And by the prince of demons, he casts out the demons. Now, if you don't know, Beelzebul is literally the lord of the flies. It's a term that shows up in uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, Baal-zebul, it's one of the the Baal gods. Um, And it is uh, one of the gods of the the area just to uh, to the west of Jerusalem. And has to do with the the plague of flies, in fact, which is part of the reason for the connection of the Old Testament text uh, with the the sending of the plagues of the flies and the gnats against Egypt. Now, this is a very ridiculous statement on their part, and Jesus calls them out for this accusation. um, Because this is kind of like saying you're, you're watching the Chiefs game and you say, well, the guy that's scoring all the points for the Chiefs plays for the Royals. It just, it, it doesn't make any sense, right? It's a nonsensical sort of statement. And in particular, it's nonsensical in this case because, as Jesus points out, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so Jesus says, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then, indeed, he may plunder his house. Now, that's the uh, the, uh, from the account in Mark, by the way, where he kind of unpacks that a little bit more. So Jesus tells this little parable in here in response, the parable of the strong man of the stronger man. And this is a parable that Jesus is telling about himself and about the devil and about you. There are three characters in this. 
Now, the devil is the strong man, which is pretty apparent, especially in Luke's text. And Jesus is the stronger man, which we also see very, uh, very clearly in Luke's text. And so the question is then, where are you in the parable? And the answer is that you are the goods, the possessions, which are plundered by the strong man. That before you are plundered by the Lord Jesus, who is the stronger man, that you belong to the devil, that you're his possession, that he guards you, you're part of his household. This is us in our fallen state prior to conversion. And this means two very important things for us that we, we have to not forget. It means, first and foremost, that you are, by your nature, in bondage, be captive to the strong man, and that he's stronger than you. He's the strong man, you're not. Jesus is the stronger man, you're not. You do not free yourself from the clutches of the devil. You don't have enough strength. You will be overpowered. The devil is stronger than you are. That is the, the first thing that we have to remember about this. But then the second thing that is perhaps more important is that even though you don't have the ability to get out, you don't have the power or the strength to get out, that you don't want to. This is where you're born. This is your home. You don't know anything different. Even though you live under a cruel and oppressive and evil master, it's still home and you don't want to leave your home. We see this reflected in the fall where you have Adam and Eve hiding from the Lord in their shame in the bushes with the devil. The devil is their friend until the Lord puts enmity between them. And it's the same sort of thing that we see when you have people that are held captive for a long sort of time, that over time they develop Stockholm Syndrome, where they begin to sympathize with their captor and even to defend them. This is how we are in our natural state in bondage to the devil. And so this is the point that if you were to try and escape, you wouldn't be able to because you're not powerful enough. The strong man is too strong, but you don't want to leave anyway, so you don't even try. Now, there's, there's an apologist by the name of Michael Horton who says something rather helpful on this. He, he makes us note that uh, man cannot find God for the same reason that a thief cannot find a police officer. And his point, even though it's, it's maybe a little bit oversimplified, his point is well taken. That it's not that a thief does not have the capacity to find a police officer, it's that he doesn't want to find the police officer. That who we are in our sin prior to conversion is a person that is an enemy of God. We don't want to find God. This is what David says in the 14th Psalm. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And 
St. Paul takes up this exact thing and quotes it basically verbatim in Romans 3, right before he gets to the beautiful gospel that uh, God has justified us and redeemed us by the blood of Christ. This is the deplorable and seemingly hopeless situation that we find ourselves born into, born into bondage, born into the house of the devil, unable to leave and unwilling to try. And it would be hopeless if we were on our own. But Christ, our Lord, our Savior, the one who is the stronger man, is not content to leave you in the house of the devil. He alone is able to break you free, and he alone is stronger than the strong man. Jesus has come. He, our mighty Redeemer, see now the threatening strong one disarmed. Jesus breaks down all the walls of death's fortress, brings forth the prisoners, triumphant, unharmed. Satan, you wicked one, own now your master. Jesus has come, he the mighty Redeemer. Our Lord breaks into the strong man's house, and he binds the strong man, and he plunders you, his goods, from the strong man's house, and he drags you out of that house, very often kicking and screaming. You don't realize what's happening. This is maybe why babies cry at baptisms. Who knows? I promise it's not because the pastor is pinching them. And he places you then safely into your own home, into his home. And it's once the shock has worn off then that you finally realize the miserable estate that you're in and you rejoice because Christ has plundered you from the house of the devil and set you into his home to be his. The strong man is bound by the stronger man, by our Lord Jesus, by his going to the cross, and by his dying for your sins, and by his rising victorious over sin and death and the strong man. The Lord binds the strong man by the shedding of his holy and precious blood, and he rips you from the strong man's grasp by washing you in the washing and regeneration and rebirth of the Holy Spirit at your baptism. And he preaches the gospel into your ears there. And there he sets you as one of his children, children of the Heavenly Father, and bids you to dwell for eternally in his house. And in the Lord's house, of which we have a reflection that we sit in today, in the Lord's house you continue to encounter, as you continue to encounter, the assaults of the devil, and he tries to bring you desperately back into his house as his possession, the Lord protects you through his holy word and his blessed sacraments. There is this temptation to think that once we are freed from bondage to the devil, once he's bound, that he can no longer have any effect on us, that he can no longer do anything to us, but that is not the case. The strong man is bound in the same sense that a dog is bound to a yard by a chain and a stake. He no longer has dominion over us. He can no longer bring us to eternal damnation, but he does have an area in which he prowls. He has his own territory. This is why St. Peter calls the devil a prowling lion seeking to devour someone. It's why St. Paul gives us the imagery of all the fiery darts of the evil one that we must be protected against. The devil is still here. He knows that his time is short, 
and he's going to try and destroy as much as he can on his way out. And so the Lord, in addition to not leaving us on our own to be swept out of the devil's house, also does not leave us alone and without armament in this life. And he gives us especially the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and he gives us the shield of faith by which we may extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. These two things especially, faith and the Word of God, go together. Because it's your faith that shields you from these flaming arrows, faith that does not stand on its own, but is rather created and sustained by God's Word. Because God's word is indeed the most powerfully effective weapon that we have against the devil. And so we hear it, and we read it, and we meditate on it. Because the devil cannot bear to hear God's word, since it is, as St. Paul says, the power of God unto salvation. Indeed, it is the word of God, which is his power, that burns down the devil's house and gives to us immeasurable strength and comfort and help. God encourages us, therefore, to meditate on his word, sitting, walking, standing, lying down, and rising, that we should keep his words ever present before our eyes and hands. And God does not encourage us to do this without reason. God knows our danger and need better than we do. He knows our adversary better than we do. He knows the constant and furious attacks and assaults of the strong man. And so he wishes to warn us and equip us and protect us against these attacks with good armor, but also with a good antidote against the evil infection and poison those arrows carry because they do still strike us. And so in the sacraments, God attaches this same word, the same word that burns down the strong man's house. He attaches that word to these elements of water and bread and wine And in the water, he comes to you and he kills you in your sinful flesh and he raises you anew to be born again in the house of the stronger man. And in the bread and the wine, he comes and he feeds to you his very body and his blood to strengthen you and to preserve you in the one true faith until you inherit life everlasting. And understanding all of this, we understand then how we journey out into the world, that we never leave our armament at home that we always carry with us the precious word of God because it's the only weapon we're given against the devil, but it's also the only means by which we may bring others out of the house of the strong man to dwell with us in the Lord's house, to sit alongside of us. And reasoned arguments and good works and works of mercy and being friendly, these are all important things and they're all good, but none of them can bring those who are captive out of captivity. None of these can bring those who are in darkness out of that darkness and into the marvelous light of the Lord. Only God's word can do such great things. And God be praised that he has given that word to you in abundance, that it may always serve as a shield and a weapon for us and a beacon of light to those who are once as we were, living in the devil's house. Dear saints, you were born in the devil's house and in this house of the strong man, But Christ, the stronger man, has plundered you from that certain eternal death that accompanies that house, having bound the strong man with his cross and with his blood and with his word. And it is that same cross and that same blood and that same word which have bound the strong man and stripped him of his strength, which have also saved you 
as he takes your sins upon the cross, as he forgives those sins in the shedding of his blood, and as he delivers you that forgiveness, one, through his word and his absolution and his baptism and his supper. And so rejoice, dear saints, because you dwell not in the house of the devil, but in the house of the stronger man. You dwell in the house of the Lord, and there you shall dwell and remain by God's grace from this time forth and into all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Preaching Christ Crucified on Double-Edged Sword, sermons by Pastor Kilgo at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We'd like to invite you to join us for church, Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have Bible study at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings and at other times throughout the week. Please visit our website at redeemer-lawrence.org for more information. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time.